Praise the Lord. All right. Let's let our children go to Kids Dome, all right? Glory to God. If you would, stand to your feet as our children are going out. We'll open our Bibles to the Gospel of John. We're going to be in chapter 13, the Gospel of John, chapter 13. Begin reading in verse 1. When you got it, say so. And it says there, it says, Now therefore, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which, with which he was girded. Father, we thank you for your word that is truth. We thank you for your grace and your love that you show us, Lord. We thank you for your presence that is here in this place, Lord God. We thank you for touching our hearts today in different ways. And Holy Spirit, we just thank you and we ask you to speak to us this morning, Lord God. Give us ears to hear what you are saying to your church. We surrender our hearts, our minds, and we pray that you remove distractions. We pray that you would give us a singularity of thought today, Lord God, that we would be focused on your word and that we would receive from you, and that as we do, Lord God, that we would not just hear something that's good, but Lord God, that we would live for the glory and honor of your name by applying your word to our lives. I pray this all in Jesus' good name, and everyone said... You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't have an outline, please raise your hand. I want to make sure that you get an outline. You can keep your hand up until you receive it. Um, the reason why we have these outlines is always, number one, we started our Connect Life Groups, which are small groups. For those of you that are with us for the first time, we started a few, a few years ago, and the way that we would discuss um, the sermons were we would go into our, our life groups and we would go over the sermon outline. So that's the reason why you have them. Um, for one reason is so that way you can connect with your brothers and sisters. As I've encouraged you this season for Connect, we decided to do something a little bit different, which is we're going through a, a, um, some, a book, right? now called Gospel Identity, and so that's what we're doing in our Connect Life groups at this point, but that doesn't mean that these sermon outlines are not helpful because the thing that I'm encouraging you to do is to take the sermon outlines as you should be, say should be, engaged in making disciples, you can utilize what you are hearing on Sunday mornings to help someone else grow in Christ. So that's very important for us. So that's why we have these outlines here. Now, as we dig into these scriptures here, as you know, we have been in the gospel of John since the beginning of the year. And so as my wife, you know, as my wife was talking to me and she was sharing with me about the plans for, you know, um, clergy appreciation day, I told her, I said, well, let me look at my, um, 
my, my yearly outline here so I can show, you know, look at what, what scripture topic we'll be on. And we were on John chapter 13, and I said, well, man, I'm not going to have someone else come and preach. I want to point to the great shepherd. Amen? I want to point to Jesus because all of us, you know, and, and I listen, I want to say this. I'm not like a falsely humble guy, like, hey, man, don't honor me. I'm, you know, I'm not into all of that. I think the Bible says to honor those who lead, and so it's all good. I'm not asking you to worship me. Hello, somebody. And I'm not an idol either, right? I, I don't need all that. Like, you know, I can carry my own Bible, right? I can wipe my own sweat off my forehead. Just saying. I don't know if you've seen that. Anyway, I'm just, hey, to each his own, but I, we don't need none of that here. Amen? And so, you know, ultimately, you know, the point is that we, you know, we, we deserve honor as leaders. And so, you know, that's why we do this. And that's why we take time, you know, to do this. But the one thing that I realize is that we are only under shepherds. That's all that we are, right? And we, are, and, and we believe this in this church is that Jesus is a senior pastor. And so as we honor our leaders, we are honoring who? The leader of leaders. We are honoring Christ. And so that's what we want to do. And as I thought about this day and I said, man, what an, what an appropriate scripture and text to look at the, the work of a real shepherd and what a real shepherd does because if I'm an under shepherd and that means that I need to be following in the footsteps of Jesus amen and he was in the upper room here with who he was with his 12 disciples and these were 11 of them were gonna make it you know the other one was the one that betrayed him and he wasn't gonna make it but these uh, 11 disciples really if you think about it they were the first pastors of the first church when we look in the in, in the book of Acts and so what we find here is that he was teaching pastors how to pastor Jesus gives them some great examples and so this morning what I want to talk about is self service, right? And so we now enter into, in your, in your outline here, you can follow along, we now enter into the next section of John's gospel, which is chapters 13 through, se through 17. And so John, John chapter 1 through 12 has been Jesus's public ministry. This has been the time that Jesus has proved who he was, that Jesus has made it clear, and he's given all the opportunities that were going to be given during his earthly ministry for people to come to follow him. So he did all of that for those first 12 chapters, and over a three-year period of time he did that. And then the last day, listen to me when I tell you this, this is the last day, just so you know. The next chapters 13 through 17, this is actually just like a couple of hours. It's literally the day before the crucifixion. And so it's going to take us a few weeks to get through the day before the crucifixion because Jesus says so much and does so much in these chapters, but that's what this time is. It's a time with his disciples, the day before he's going to be crucified, and he takes them in this room. And so chapters 13 through 17, Jesus enters into his private time of ministry, his last words to his disciples, one day before he would be crucified for the sins of the world. This time for his disciples surely marked them, and Jesus began it with a dramatic word picture of who he made himself to be, servant of all, and what he expected and still expects of his disciples that we would be servants of all. The book of Philippians reminds us that Jesus, chapter 2, it reminds us that Jesus did what? He humbled himself. He came from a seat in glory, right? And, and, and he, he came to this earth to do what? To put on flesh so he could die in our place. So he could take upon himself our sin. So he could be a sin offering for us. So that way, we who are sinners, who are born into sin, who sin because we will to, who are separated from God because of our sin, could have an opportunity not to suffer eternally in hell, but have a relationship with God that was based not upon our merit or our good works, but based upon the merit and the good works of a good, loving Savior. Jesus dies in our place to show, to give, you know, to, to give us this opportunity for life, for life. And what Jesus is showing us here, he's showing his disciples, this is what I've done. 
See, this is the marks of a good leader, right? It's someone who doesn't ask you, hey, man, go do this, right? But it's someone who said, I've been there, done that, now I want you to follow in my footsteps. When we have our class on leadership, I always ask in the first class, in about the middle to the end of the class, I ask in the outline there, what is it, when you think of a leader, what, do you, when you know, what, what, what is it the word that comes to mind? Or how would you describe a leader? And everybody has their different you know, words and things of that nature. And you know, some people think about leadership, they think about inspiration, they think about you know, example, all this type of stuff. But one of the things that has to mark a leader's life is that that leader has to be willing to do anything that they ask you to do. Are you here? And Jesus shows us this great example. I had the privilege, and for those of you guys that were able to make it, last Tuesday for our Key Life Men's um, time together, we gave out um, the flyers to everyone and, you know, invited all the guys to come out. And for those of you that couldn't make it, I'm sorry. But for those of you that did, I appreciate you coming out. But, it, you know, we, we were able to hear Lieutenant, or he was Colonel, he was a U.S. Colonel uh, in the U.S. Army, Danny McKnight. And for those of you that know the movie Black Hawk Down, he was one of the people that was portrayed in that movie. And in, in his talk that he gave... He went through something, and it's called leadership. And if you look at your outline here, leadership, according to the Army, is this. These are the words, this acronym here. It's loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. And you'll notice in, in your outline there, self, selfless service is in the middle. It's, it's, it's in the middle of the seven, and so three on the top, three on the bottom. And I think that it was so important as I was looking at this, I said, man, isn't that so amazing that even in the Army, right, they have this, this, this acronym for leadership, and centered in it is what? Selfless service. And when I look at it, it's like I can't, you know, serve selflessly without loyalty. I can't serve selflessly without duty, without respect, without honor, without integrity, without personal courage. And all of these other things that are there, if I don't have a heart to selflessly serve, guess what? I can't do those either. And what I realize is that Jesus shows us this example of selfless service as the great shepherd that he is. And so here's the deal, last, um, last paragraph here. We are called to follow in the footsteps of a Savior who came from a glorious state, he was seated in glory, to a humiliated state when he put on flesh and died on the cross for us, to return to a glorified state with the sole purpose of serving humanity in the one way we could not serve ourselves, dying as innocent in the place of the guilty. That's what Jesus did. And listen, like I told you, I think, I think it was last week we were talking about the, you know, hardening of the hearts and blinded eyes. And I said, you know, Isaiah had the ministry when God called him. He was like, go preach to people that aren't going to listen. I'm like, man, I wouldn't do that, right? I'm just, I was just being completely honest. I wouldn't do it. Here's another thing, man. I don't know if I was like seated in glory, everything was amazing, that I would be like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and leave. Right? Like I, I might, I probably would be the guy that would say, I'm good. Someone else, I would wait. You know how you're sitting in a, in a classroom, you know, or, or you're sitting in a, in a scenario where they're asking for volunteers and everybody waits for someone else to volunteer. Hello, somebody. I'm just saying, y'all know you've been there. I mean, come on now. You know, you're sitting there and it's like crickets in the room. Hey, who wants to go first? And everybody's like, Looking around, you know, acting like no one ain't looking at you, all that kind of stuff. You know, you get, that stuff happens in Connect too, right? Y'all sit down, first question comes around, and everybody's like sitting there like, Mm-hmm. And then you're waiting, right? And it's the same. I'm just saying, I'd be that guy. I'd be sitting there like, yeah, you know, I'm pretty comfortable right here. I'm good to go. Go die for them. Nah, uh, not me. I'm just, really? 
I'm just, listen, I love you guys, but I'm not Jesus. Hello, I'm just saying, right? There is one Savior, I am not him. I told you, I am the under shepherd. I am not the shepherd, right? Jesus is the chief shepherd for a reason. Hello, somebody, right? And so ultimately, when we look at Jesus' example, what I want you to get is this. This is the big idea. Selfless service is the call for every disciple of Jesus. Let me say that again. Here's the big idea that I want you to get out of this, out of this, out of this sermon today. Selfless service is the call of every disciple of Jesus. If you're taking notes, you should highlight, you should underline, you should make a circle around every. Selfless service is the call of every disciple of Jesus, not some disciples of Jesus. Selfless service is not the call to pastors or to clergy or to ministers. Selfless service is the call to everyone who is called a disciple. Why is that important? It is important because we are all called to be disciples. When Jesus calls us into relationship and he saves us, he doesn't just save us so we can have a good time. I mean, we're going to have fun, like that was one of the words up there, right? You know, we're going to have a good time, all that. But here's the thing. He didn't just save us for that. He saves us so that way we can be his disciples and we can serve him and others selflessly. It's a call of all disciples. And so all of us, regardless of what your gift mix is, regardless of what you like or what you don't like, it do, all of that doesn't matter. Like there are some people, let me, let me put it to you like this. There are some people, you know, you, go, you learn about the gifts of the Spirit. There is a gift of service. Say there's a gift of service, a gift of service, right? There's a gift of service. And so some people think that, well, you know, if there's a gift of service, then there are some people who are really gifted to serve. Can you say amen to that? That's truth, right? Now, does that mean that everybody who's not gifted to serve is off the hook? No, it's the same thing. There's a gift of giving. Y'all know that? Hello, somebody. There's a gift of generosity. Like, seriously, there's a gift. Does that mean that only the generous people that have this gift are the ones that are supposed to give? No. Everyone, we're all called to do this. And so what we find here is that selfless service, again, is the call for every disciple. So the first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Selfless service is rooted in a gospel-centered identity and love. Selfless service is rooted in a gospel-centered identity and love. Now, we read verses 1 through 5, and I just want to j- just, just break down what we see here. Jesus knew his hour had come, based upon what we read here, to, uh, to, to depart this world, to go back to the Father. He knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God. And his next action, notice this, motivated by love, one day before his crucifixion, was to serve his disciples in the most menial and yet significant way. You see, he knew all of these things. We read these scriptures here, like you read through there, and you see that Jesus knew all of this stuff, right? So in other words, Jesus had his identity secure. He knew all of this. He knew that it was his time had come. Remember, as we were going through the gospel, remember there were things that couldn't happen to Jesus, and there was something that continued to pop out, right? It was what? It was that there was his hour had not come. Remember the first time he was talking with his mom? You remember that conversation? The first time they had the conversation about him turning the water into wine, and she was like, you know, they have no wine. And he was like, woman, what does that have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Remember that? Sound disrespectful. We explained that it wasn't, right? I know we go back and listen to it, but he wasn't disrespecting his mom. He was communicating something. Here's the thing. His hour had not yet come. Throughout that gospel, this gospel of John, we've seen that his hour has not yet come. But chapter 13 starts off with what? Telling us his hour had come. 
His time had come. Jesus knew, okay, you know what? What I came here to do is about to happen. What I came here for is about to be accomplished. And so he knew all of this stuff. He was secure in his identity. Now, notice it's this. In order for us to be selfless in our service, we need to have what? We need to have our identity in the gospel, and we also need to have our love that flows from the gospel. Here's why. Two things. Listen to this. If you do not know who you are in Christ, you will never be freed to serve. If you do not know who you are in Christ, you will never be free to serve. I was talking to someone the other day, and, I, and, and they were joking about this, but some people are serious about this. He's like, look, I'm willing to do whatever in the church except clean the toilets. Now, here's the thing. He was joking, but some people are serious, and you know why they wouldn't do that? Because, man, what does that say about me? What does, that, what, what does that communicate about who I am, right? Like if I'm this guy. When I was growing up, I thought about this. I, th I thought about it as I was growing up. And I remember my mom. And listen, if anybody is, is a garbage person in here, don't take this offensively, okay? But I guess this was the motivation from my mom. As I was growing up, she's like, if you don't go to school, you're going to be a garbage man. Now listen, how many of y'all appreciate garbage men? I'm just saying, like, I appreciate them, right? They do something that I don't want to do. My mom's point was, it wasn't that it wasn't an honorable job. She was just like, bro, you're going to be behind a truck all day long smelling other people's garbage. Have you ever smelled garbage? Hello? Nasty, right? So what my mom was saying is like, you don't want that job, right? I'm just saying, like, and most of us didn't, I'm pretty sure, I'm almost 100% sure. I'm not 100%, but I'm almost 100%, right? Like, 99.9% like sure nobody was, as a child, saying, I want to be a guardsman when I grow up. I'm just saying, I'm just thinking, like, nobody was like, that is the job I want. Like, I hear people say, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a doctor. I want to be this. I want, I never heard any kid say, I want to be a garbage man. Right? It's just, it's just not, it's, it's not an ideal scenario. But here's the thing. If I am a garbage man, does that make me less than anyone else? Hello? Does that mean that I'm unworthy of something? Does that mean that I'm worthless? Does that, that doesn't mean anything. What it means is it's a hard job. It's a job that nobody wants, but it has nothing to do with who I am as a person. Are you hearing me? And so what we realize is that if we are not freed, then we will never serve selflessly because we will only serve for what? For what we get out of it. We will only do things that are done for our glory, not for the glory of God. The second thing is this. If you don't love as a disciple of Christ, you'll never be moved to serve. If you don't love like Jesus, you want to, can I tell you something? Let me just say it like this, and this is going to be offensive to some people that don't have the gift of serving. Hello, somebody. See, some people are waiting for something to move them to serve. Some people are waiting for that, to move them to serve. And you know what? Can, can I tell you something? Can I tell you what moves you to serve? What moves you to serve is an understanding of the gospel. What moves you to serve is when the gospel really takes root in your heart because what the gospel does is it motivates love for God. And when you have a motivation of a love for God, you are willing to serve. You cannot think of how to, man, how do I repay God for everything that he's done? It's not because God is waiting for you to repay him. Hello, somebody. But the motivation is, is, is such because I have love that is in my heart, and that's the reason why I want to serve. I'll tell you something. One, um, I mean, there, there's, there's a couple of people in here have babysat my son, you know, in di different times when my mother-in-law um, couldn't watch him because of her surgery. And let me just tell you, I don't want to call anyone out in particular, but I appreciate it. Only two people. I appreciate I appreciate these two people so much because they, like, took care of my son like he was some kind of king. Hello, somebody. I mean, and, and you know what the motivation was? Love. 
It, it wasn't because, well, that's Bishop's son, so we got to treat him like king. It had nothing to do with me. It had to do with their love for him, and he, because he's a lovable guy, right? And so he's amazing. And they, I mean, they loved on him. And I'm like, you know, giving him baths. I'm like, why? He already took a bath. Like, I'm going to give him another bath and change it. And I'm like, you don't need to do all that. But they just did. Why? Because love was the motivator. And here's the thing. In all of our lives, not just babysitting children, but hey, if you call to serve in the nursery, like, you know, we ask all the parents who utilize the nursery to serve in the nursery, hey, let the gospel move your heart so that way when you're in that nursery, you're not like, oh my goodness, I can't believe they put me on this schedule. But you're in there like, glory to God, I'm motivated to do this, right? Like there's something moving me because what? I am simply saying, God, here's my life. I offer my life to you selflessly. It's not about me. It's about glory and honor for Jesus, right? But the motivation has to be there and that motivation has to be love. You see, here's the thing, church. Our identity and love must be rooted in the gospel in order for our service under the Lord in different areas of our lives not to become idols through which we attempt to establish our identity. So I've talked about this, you know, before, and, you know, we have these different idols in our lives, and, you know, our, our spouse, I'll use our spouse for right now, because, you know, every time I talk about children being idols, you know, people are like, I don't know if my kids are an idol. Listen, your kids are probably an idol, but anyway move on. Uh, most of us, listen, I'm going to say right now, most of us, if we're honest, we have to repent at times. I, I, had a, I love, I had, I had a conversation with someone and actually an email, they sent me an email and they were telling me, you know, reading the scripture where Jesus says, you know, you have to hate this one and hate that one in order to, you know, basically love him, right? So that sounds really rough. And they were like, man, I struggle with this. And I'm like, yeah, me too. Listen, can I, can I say something? Following Jesus is not like easy. Hello? If you're really following him, there should be some, like, when we say the word sacrifice, think about this now. Do you think you should feel sacrifice? I'm just saying, I think you should feel sacrifice, don't you? Amen. I, like, I'm sacrificing my life, but I feel no pain. I'm, really? Like, where? Like, like where is your sacrifice? Listen, the reason why American Christianity is the way that it is is because there's not enough sacrifice. Listen, I heard, I, heard, I heard of a pastor that he was, he was talking, and I, I think I, it might have been um, someone who came and spoke here. Um, I think it was Dave Buring may, may have communicated it. But he was talking about his pastor friend that was in a place that is highly, highly persecuted. And he tells the pastor over there, he's like, hey, man, I'm praying that you guys, you know, that the persecution stops. And he's like, no. He's like, why not? He's like, man, persecution makes us pray. Hello, somebody. Persecution makes us seek Jesus. Persecution makes us really rest and depend on and seek God. It's like when persecution comes, it's like, okay, do you really love Jesus? Just seriously, like, I mean, I know it's easy to come to church, got the AC on, comfortable seats. I mean, if we, half of us haven't, have never even been on a mission trip. Hello, somebody. I know, I know it's getting rough today. Look, but here's the thing. Here is the thing. It's Pastor Appreciation Day. Glory to God. But here, here, here's the thing. Just appreciate me today. But ultimately, okay, we, we, we were so comfortable. We're so concerned with our comfort. Jesus said it so clearly. He's like, oh, you want to follow me? He said, come get a hammock. Is that what he said? I get a hammock and some lemonade. It's going to be all good. That is not what he said, right? He was like, oh, you want to follow me? Oh, okay, hold up. Check this out. Take up your cross, follow me, deny yourself. That doesn't sound comfortable. 
I, I would love the hammock. Hello, somebody. I'm not saying you can't have a hammock every once in a while, right? Like, like experiencing good. It's not to say God doesn't allow us to experience good stuff, but what I am saying is that there is some level of sacrifice, right, that should be occurring in our lives. And so ultimately, you know, getting back to this point of us, of us you know, selfishly serving and, you know, not having our identity and different idols, you know, ultimately the thing is this, like, you know, we all make sacrifices for stuff. But, you know, if, if I allow myself to have something else as an idol in my life and I'm trying to build my identity in that, we'll forget spouses for a moment and don't forget them, just we're not going to talk about the spouse as an example. But in our work scenarios, you know, everybody, you know, wants, you know, that we're trying to establish our identity in work. You know, all of these different things. But listen, if you have your identity solid in Christ, you know what you're not trying to do? You're not trying to establish an identity at work. What you are trying to do is you are trying to project the identity you already have. What I mean by that is now you live a different way. You're not trying to climb up the ladder of success. You are trying to give glory and honor to Jesus, and that's all you're trying to do in whatever position you are. You are not a suck-up because you work harder than everyone else. Hello, somebody. Oh, come on. I'm just saying, because I mean, seriously, like people are like, oh, he's a suck up. She's a suck up. No, is he or she a Christian? Hello. I know they're suck up Christians. I know that. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about just a Christian that gets there earlier before anybody else. I'm talking about the Christian who works later than everyone else. I'm talking about the Christian that says, you know what? Give me the overtime as long as I can make it to church and I can make it to connect. Amen, somebody. That, that Christian, right? Like, that, let me work hard, right? Like, that, that's a Christian. That's a motivation. And I'm not trying to achieve something. I already achieved something. As a matter of fact, I just received something because Jesus achieved it. Hello. He died for me. He gave me this new identity, and I want to make sure that the world sees him in me. It's not about me. Hello. We need to be those people that are selfless in our service and that our identity and our love are rooted in the gospel. The second thing I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, selfless service is a means towards holiness. Let's read verses 6 through 11. So Jesus has already gotten down. He's already girded himself. He's got the bowl. And it says in verse 6, it says, Then he came to Simon Peter, our favorite person outside of Jesus, because he reminds us so much of us. Amen. Always saying stuff, right? That open mouth insert foot syndrome, right? Okay. So then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Peter's so humble. Like, Never, Lord. Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Never. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. So in one, in one part, he's like, you're never washing. Now he's like, wash me completely. Because he's so humble, right? Like, look, like, you're never washing my feet, but now you're washing everything. I'm, Peter's crazy. Anyway, Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. Selfless service is a means towards holiness. Jesus washed his disciples' feet, and he gave them the lesson on the need for continual cleansing and relationship with the Lord. Jesus cleanses us. Hear, hear me when I say this. This is the principle here. 
When Peter is there, the, the, the big principle that we see here that's so, so vital for us as Christians is this. Is, I mean, there's, there's many lessons here. But the one thing that is so important is that Peter is asking Jesus a question. He's like, you, are you washing my feet? He's like, Jesus is like, you don't understand what I'm doing. He's like, you're never going to wash my feet. And then Jesus says, listen, if I, don't bathe, if I don't wash you, then you have no part with me. Peter's like, well, wash my hands, my head, wash everything. And then Jesus is like, you're already clean, right? He says this. It's, it's a weird, like, interaction. He's like, you're already clean, he said, and he was already taking a bath, doesn't need to take another bath, right? You need to go just have your feet clean. Here's the idea. The idea is, in that culture, in that time, is much different than ours, right? First of all, their tables were on the floor, okay? So what I want you to understand is that here in our days, you don't see anyone's bunions when you're at lunch. Are you here? As long as they keep their shoes on, you will never smell the, what their feet smell like, right? And you, look, you don't even know how dirty their feet are because they are where? Under the table, unless you have a glass table, and usually, you know, you ain't looking down at people's feet anyway. The point is, it wasn't like that in those days, okay? Now, I would, I would have, I don't, I don't want to exemplify this, but the point is, think about this. You know, like Cleopatra, how she like laid down and spread out? Well, when you were sitting down at dinner, guess how you were sitting? You were sitting with your feet like that to the side. That's how you were sitting. So guess what, what was next to you? Someone's face. Hello. So the appropriate thing was you would want to have someone wash their feet. Why? Because they didn't have the Nikes we have. They had sandals, if that, hello, right? They didn't have the roads that were constructed like we have. Guess what they had? They had dirt roads that were nasty, and guess what was all over those dirt roads? Well, they had horses. They had animals, and you know what those, do, those things do? They defecate. So you know what they leave? All kind of defecation everywhere. So you got dirt. You got defecation. It's nasty, and you're walking. But here's the idea. The idea is you took a shower before you came to eat. Hello. But you know what happened? From your shower to that person's table, your feet are nasty. And guess what? We're going to sit together, and your feet are going to be next to my face, and I'm going to enjoy this meal. So the point is, what we do is we would have someone wash the feet. But here's the deal. The thing is that the owner of the house wouldn't wash somebody's feet, right? That would, that would not happen. Why? Because, again, that's below me. Typically, they had the, most, the, 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 the least important person in the room would wash feet, Right? That's why Jesus does this, to show his disciples something. That's the reason why Peter opens his mouth and is like, nah, man, you're not washing my feet. And, and you know, the, you think about this, and so this is what the, 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 the whole issue was. And so what, when Jesus says to him, right, he who has taken a bath only needs to have his feet washed, what he was pointing out was, he says, when you are saved, when you put your faith in Jesus, you took a bath. Are you here? You see, because Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection free us from sin. They allow us into relationship with Jesus. So now we're in relationship with Jesus, and here's the thing. Every time you sin, let me ask you something. Now think about this for a moment. Let's think theologically here. Every time you sin, do you get resaved? Are you here? Let's be realistic now, because you begin resaved a lot. I'm just, I'm, I'm being for real, right? I mean, all jokes aside. No. Every time you sin, what do you do? You confess your sin. And God is faithful and just to cleanse you of all sin, to forgive you, right? To forgive you of all unrighteousness, to cleanse you. This is what he does for us, right? He's not saying you get resaved like every day. Like, you know, some people, they've been baptized six, seven times. Why? Because they just feel like the first one didn't take. Hello. 
Let's do it again. Maybe this time it'll work. I'm just saying. Listen, baptism, just like communion, does nothing, okay, in the sense of they don't save you. They don't cleanse you. They don't make you right. They are symbolisms of something that we are supposed to do. When I partake of communion, me drinking the blood and me, you know, eating the bread, that doesn't make me more holy after I do it than before I did it. No, it's not true. Some people teach you that. That's not the truth. What it is, is it's, it's an act of remembrance, right? The same thing with baptism. Baptism doesn't, you know, and I can tell you, I, I personal, I'll tell you personal experience. When I was baptized, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know what, I mean, I know what happened, but I was like, man, when I came up out of that water, I felt like a new person. Hello. I'm just saying there was something that took place supernaturally, but it wasn't that I got, it was like I got saved at that moment. Man, I've been walking with Jesus for like three, four months up until that point. Hello. I was saved before that, but there was something that takes place in my life. And so what Jesus is communicating here is he's saying, look, you don't need to be, have a whole bath. What you need to do is you need to have a continual cleansing of your feet. Now, this one I'm going to leave you with, and I'm going to move on. Now, here's the thing that I don't know. How dirty do your feet get before you need to take a bath? I'm going to leave you with that. How dirty do your feet get before you need to take a bath? In other words, is it, is Jesus saying, hey, it's okay for you to walk around and just, you know, hey, you took a bath one day and so never, you know, don't worry about it. I mean, just filthy, nasty, dirty, never take a bath again. Is that what Jesus is communicating? I don't think so. I don't think he's saying, hey, man, don't worry about it. The only thing you got to worry about is your feet. What he's saying is this. He's giving us a principle. And the principle is this, is that as we walk in this world, we are going to be rubbed against by sinful situations. We are going to sin against God, and we need to deal with our relationship with him. So we have the thing called justification, right? That bath that I took, and God makes me right before him. And then we have this thing called sanctification, where God makes me look more and more like him, and he deals with my sin in my life and in your life. And that's what he wants to do with us, and that's the principle that Jesus gives us here. And so he's showing them about holiness. He's showing them about living righteously. He's showing them that he is the only one. If if you don't, if you don't, if I don't wash you, then you are not clean. He's showing them this, right? So he's making that clear to them. Here's what I want you to get. Our selfless service of others, see, when we decide we're going to serve, is a means by which God develops our character and develops his holiness in us. See, here's the thing. As I serve, as I position myself to serve selflessly, listen, I talked about the nursery, right? And sometimes, you know, I know, listen, I can tell you right now, as loving and amazing as my son is, my son is a handful. Hello, just telling you right now. Like, my son, I, he came in today, he was like spinning, you know, he's at that stage where he wants to like hit everything, and I'm like, boy, I'm, hallelujah. Someone told me not to say I beat the hell out of my kids anymore because I'm going to think I really do it. But anyway, I'm just going to say this. I pray for my son often. <laughs> And I lay hands on him in a holy way. Amen. I'm just, we'll say it like that. But here's the thing, right? Like, I, I, I love him. But can I tell you something? As I am his father, as you serve, guess what? This is helping me become either A, I'm just going to be more ugly and nasty and mean. Or B, I'm going to become more patient, more loving, more gracious. Why? Because as I serve in whatever area, the things that are negative that are in that, and trust me, there's no perfect scenario, there's no perfect situation, but as you and I choose to serve, our character becomes more and more developed, and God brings us in a sanctifying way to being more holy. Are you here with me? That's what he does. But here's what also happens. As you and I serve, you know what we're able to do? We're able to point people to the one that makes them holy. Right? 
We're able to, in those scenarios, point people to the one that makes them holy. Because here's the thing. Our primary goal in serving is to bring glory to Jesus. That's the primary goal. Secondarily, it is to point others to Jesus for salvation, either for justification or sanctification. There's two groups of people that walk this earth, right? Those are the ones that need to be saved and those who need to be sanctified. Hello. Are you here? They're the ones that are saved. They're the ones that are walking with Jesus. And guess what? That, that group of people, they're saved. Now they need to be sanctified. They need to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. And so you're pointing people to Jesus for one of two things, either A, because they need to be saved, or B, because they need to be sanctified. But we do that as we serve. That's how we're able to get them there. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat is this. Say selfless service, selfless service. is a demonstration, a demonstration. of humility. Selfless service is a demonstration of humility. Let's read verses 12 through 17. It says, So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, and you also ought to wash, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master, nor is, is he who sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I notice the emphasis on what we do, not what we know. Are you here? Jesus is communicating to his disciples. He's letting them know something, and he's talking about humility. Now, I want, you to, I want you to think about this. The disciples had been arguing about who was the greatest among them. Y'all remember that, right? When you look in the other Gospels, around this same time is when they're having this, this argument, you know, about who is the greatest, and Jesus rebukes them harshly. And you know what Jesus does? Jesus takes his rebuke to another level in this upper room experience because no longer is he just using words, but he is showing them the example. He's saying, look, he said, you, don't, you, you see what I did, right? I served you, and so now you serve one another. And so here's the thing that I want, you to, I want you to understand or think about for a moment. Was Jesus saying that we had to literally wash each other's feet? Was he saying that? Now, I, I, want, you to, I want you to answer it biblically, okay? I want you to think about this for a moment. Go from the Gospels all the way through the New Testament. How many references do you see to foot washing? Like one, right? And it's about widows or something like that and about them washing feet. That's it. There's no, there's no reference. When you look in the book of Acts, it wasn't like they continued in the apostles' doctrine and they broke bread, you know, together and they washed each other's feet. It doesn't say that. It's not what it communicates. And so obviously we're not advocating and we're not saying that Jesus was saying that we had to literally wash each other's feet. That wasn't what he was communicating. Now, and I mean, let me just balance this out. Is there something wrong with like a foot washing service? Is there something unbiblical about that? No. I've had some awesome experiences, man, in foot washing services. I mean, I'm weeping, you know, because it's, 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 a, it's like a holy moment. I mean, really. And I mean, some people are like, man, I want but nobody touching my feet. You're just like Peter. But here's the thing. The bottom line is what Jesus is communicating is he's saying, listen, he said, when you decide to selflessly serve, what you are saying is that, or what you are showing is you are demonstrating humility. Jesus demonstrates humility. And what he's telling his disciples, he's saying, listen, I want you to serve the same way that I've served. 
I want you to lay your life down in a selfless way, the same way that I did this. See, as disciples, understand this. We are no greater than Jesus, our master, and we must be committed to serving one another in loving humility. Now, notice in the beginning of these verses, look at um, chapter 13, verse 1, real quick. I want you to go back there. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, or he loved them perfectly. Perfectly. Jesus did this out of a motivation of love for his disciples. He wanted to show them. He did want to have that holy moment with them where he did something that was, that, that was so humbling for them and to show them what? To show them that he, that he is their example, but to show them the love that he has for them. And for us as his disciples, when we serve one another, it shouldn't be grudgingly. It shouldn't be because, oh, Bishop said I got to serve, so I got to serve. Or some, you know, Pastor Chad is bugging me, so I got to do this. Or, you know, Minister Lewis is hounding me and you know, it's, it's, that's not the motivation that we serve one another. We serve one another because of the love of God that has moved our heart. Jesus exemplifies true humility. Now notice this. I was thinking about this. There is only one that is truly, truly humble. And I don't want to contradict scripture, scripture, okay? The Bible talks about Moses being the most humble man alive during that time. And so I'm not saying that there's not humble people. But when I think about the definition of humility, I think about Jesus. And why is that? Because he is the only one that has no reason to humble himself. Are you hearing me? He has no reason to humble himself. He's holy. He's sinless. He's, he's, he's the epitome of why I could be prideful. Hello, somebody. Right? Yo, like, yo, man, I've never done anything wrong. I, I have been, my mom, you know, she has nothing bad to say about me. My dad, nothing bad to say about me. Everyone else around me, nothing bad to say about me. I mean, like, that's a guy that can walk around with his chest puffed up. Hello. Right? I thought about this and I said, but he's the one who humbles himself. But check this out. Amazingly, we, you and I, who are flawed, need constant reminders to humble ourselves. Do you get that? Jesus didn't need any reminder. He's like, yo, let me show you what humility is. Let me show you the way. Let me show you how to really be humble. And you know what we can take from Jesus out of this example is that we don't only humble ourselves when we do something wrong. Are you here? We don't only humble ourselves when we are wrong. See, because that's what we do. Like some of us, now I don't know about anyone else in this room. I can tell you, I can confess my sin to you right now. I have, I'm not like, I don't, I don't just easily say, you know, I'm wrong. Hello, somebody. I do my best not to be wrong so I don't have to admit that. Are you here? In other words, I really think through what I'm doing to make sure I'm right. And then I'm like, I'm right. What are you talking about? I thought about that. I already, I already went through this. I processed this. Hello. Right? But here's the thing. Most of us, right, most of us are not like, I, I, I haven't, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't met a whole lot of people that are like, yeah, I'm wrong, you know, just like easy like that. It's not like that. Like I've met people. I, anyway, I'll leave it there because you all deal with it too. But, here, but here, here's the thing. We, right, we are like, if there's a moment that I can humble myself, it's when someone can prove to me that I'm wrong. Are you here? You prove to me that I'm wrong, then I'm going to say, man, my bad. I was wrong. I humble myself. But if you can't prove to me that I'm wrong, I'm guilty. Guilty as charged. I've been in, in conversation, be like, I haven't done anything wrong. I'm not going to apologize. Is that humble? No, that's prideful. Why can't I just humble myself, right? 
Why can't I just be like, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, I apologize. It, it didn't, it didn't, you know, it didn't happen like I intended or whatever the case is. But it's so hard for us to humble ourselves. But I hope that this puts it in perspective that, hey, you and I are no one not to humble ourselves. Hello. And, and, and we should not wait for the moments that we're wrong to humble ourselves, but we should ask God to help us to walk in humility and serving one another. Here's the, here's the beauty of this, and I, I, I'll close with this thought here. The beauty of selfless service is that joy is always the product. Look at verse 17 really quick. It says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And what Jesus does is that there is no greater satisfaction than in knowing I have directly served the Lord in my actions. And God offers us this great joy found in following Jesus' example of selfless service. And so you know what? When I, when I accept the fact and I say, you know what, God, I'm going to give myself to serve you however you desire. So you know what? If you desire me to clean toilets, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm just saying. If that's what you want me to do, then that's what I'm going to do. I am going to do that because you know what? It's not about me. It's about you. But here's the thing. What I, what I love, and I, and I, I, will, I, I, lo, I love this. Um, I've been blessed. You know, a lot of people, they have like horror stories with their mother-in-laws. I don't, man. I don't know anything about that. I have the most amazing mother-in-law. Amen, somebody. I'm just, I thank God for that, right? And my mother-in-law is, not, is, is, is a woman of few words, but I remember when we first started this church, her desire, hear me when I say this, her desire was to clean the church. She didn't want to, she, she was like, I just want to clean the church. I think she, I, I'm almost sure she wanted to greet people, and she's the most amazing greeter. Amen, somebody. Right? But, but that was her desire. And it wasn't because, hey, I want to show how humble I am. I'm going to clean the church. That wasn't it. Right? Because you can be prideful on you. It's called false humility. Hello. You know, try to prove everyone how humble you are. And it wasn't that. It was just the right heart. And you know what it is, is that when you're doing something for the glory of God, look, it can be setting up chairs. It can be cleaning up something. It can be doing, listen, when you go witness to someone, when you go communicate, you know, the truth to someone's life, when you do something special for someone, this is the thing. There is a direct connection with the joy that God gives. Amen? Here's my last question for you, and I'm going to close with this. That was my closing thought. This is my closing question. Yeah, I thought, uh, I know y'all were like, Bishop closed like three times. I did not close three times. I gave you a closing thought. Now I'm going to give you some closing questions with an S. Amen, all right? And I'm going to have to qualify some questions. I'm just kidding. We're going to make this easy. Here's the thing. What I want to ask you is this. Where are you serving? This is the most important question of anything I can ask you today. Where is it that you're serving, right? Where is it? that you are serving? What, what, what part of the body of Christ are you serving? And listen, I know that we serve at home, but I'm, I'm going to tell you something from a pastoral position. It's not just about serving my family. Are you hearing me? See, that's when, to me, that's when it falls into idolatry, when you forget about your family and the body of Christ. When you forget about the church family, the, the blood-bought family that you are now part of, right? Now, listen, I get it. We have responsibilities at home. I have two children. You know, one of them is going to be 14. The other one is two. So I understand there's a lot of responsibility in between those ages and, you know, continuing on. But here's my thing. I don't want you to just say, well, hey, man, I serve my kids because that could mean that your kids are an idol. I'm just I'm going to throw it out there like that. Like, all I'm worried about is my kids being okay. Listen, I'm just saying, be careful with that. But here's the thing, where are you serving? My second part of this question is, if you, are, if you are not serving, my question is, why not? If you're like, man, you know, I'm not serving in the body of Christ. You know, I'm not doing anything. 
My question is then, why not? And if you are, if you are serving, if you're serving, then I want to ask you this question. What is your motivation to serve? Is your motivation to serve, man, you know, I just have to do this, you know, because do you do it grudgingly or do you do it with the right heart? What is the motivation to serve? So the first part of the first question, the first question is, where are you serving? The second part is, if you're not serving any, anywhere, why are you not serving? Listen, there's a lot of reasons why people don't serve. They, some people have been hurt. Some people have been burnt. Some people have had bad experiences, so they're like, I'm not going to serve anymore. That's, a bad, that's bad reasoning. I'm just saying. And if you are serving, what's your motivation? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace and your kindness toward us. I thank you for the example that you give us, Jesus. I thank you for serving as you do. I thank you because you show us what it means to selflessly serve. I pray for my brothers and my sisters that are in this place, God, and I just ask you for them that you would help us all to serve with the right motivations. Help us to serve based upon the giftings that you've given us and help us to be faithful in that service. I pray for those in here that are not serving in the body of Christ. I pray that you would draw their hearts to you, Lord God, that you would grant them repentance where they need to repent, that you would heal them where they need to be healed, God, and that you would strengthen them that they may be able to serve you faithfully according to your word and your will. I pray, God, that you help us all to continue to move forward as you call us to in extending your kingdom. We pray this all in Jesus' good name. And everyone said? Amen. Come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy.